My name is Father Mike Delaney and I'm the parish priest of the Kingston Channel Catholic Parish in the Archdiocese of Hobart. This is my homily for the Feast of Corpus Christi, the Body and Blood of Christ. Welcome to the fourth and final week of this message series, All Pointing to Christ. As I mentioned last weekend, the title of the series comes from the first letters of the four major feast days we've been celebrating. Ascension, Pentecost, Trinity and Corpus Christi. All through this series we've been reminded that Jesus walked this earth to change our understanding of how God relates to us, his created sons and daughters. As he taught his disciples about God as a loving father, Jesus witnessed to them how this love healed the broken, gave sight to the blind and raised up those who were downtrodden so that they could return to their families and community. Jesus gave everyone he met the opportunity to have renewed dignity so that they might have life and have it to the full. Along the way he promised that while they would experience trials and challenges, the power of God would overcome all evil. On the day of the ascension he told his disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you will be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem, but throughout Judea and indeed to the ends of the earth. This was to fulfill the promise that he had made them, that he would not leave them orphans, but that the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. We know that after the ascension, the disciples and their friends returned to the upper room where they remained gathered in prayer. And while they were at prayer, they heard what sounded like a powerful wind from heaven, the noise of which filled the entire house in which they were sitting. And something appeared to them that seemed like tongues of fire. These separated and came to rest on the head of each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak foreign languages as the Spirit gave them the gift of speech. Being filled with the promised power of the Holy Spirit, the disciples began to preach about the risen Christ, and we know that their words had an impact on those who were listening. As we read further in the Acts of the Apostles, we learn that over 3,000 people were converted on that day as the power of the Spirit moved amongst them. And so it came to be that the church was born on that Pentecost morn, and the world, separated after the Tower of Babel, comes together as people from different lands hear the message of salvation in their own language. These new followers of Christ were truly a universal community, albeit a different and new people living amidst the traditions of the chosen people of Israel. But how would they stay together? How would they grow in their understanding of their new relationship with God that Jesus had spoken of? The first stage of this journey meant that they were being called to live in community, sharing everything so that nothing and no one in the community went without. In revealing God as his Father, Jesus introduces us to the greatest of all communities, the community we call the Trinity. With and through the power of the Holy Spirit, they, as we, 
are called to become one. But sadly, that's a reality that is still very difficult to achieve. Now, this reason for this was that can be easily seen in the early Christian community that was in the community of Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 11:17 to 22, a section immediately before today's reading, Paul vehemently censured the community, declaring that their discriminatory practices were in fact a sacrilege. What would happen in these early communities was that they, they would celebrate the Eucharist as a communal meal. But Paul observes that in Corinth, the wealthy would arrive before their servants and would eat and drink as much as they wanted, leaving paltry leftovers for their inferiors. Because this practice contradicted the meaning of the communion they were supposedly celebrating, Paul unleashed on them one of the strongest condemnations in the New Testament. He told them that their worship did them more harm than good, and he finished with the accusation, Anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will be behaving unworthily towards the body and blood of the Lord. Yet between these two moments of condemnation, Paul speaks beautifully and passionately about the meaning of the Eucharist. It is in fact the oldest Eucharistic account in the New Testament. And Paul reminds them that this is what I receive from the Lord and in turn passed on to you. The remainder of the passage we heard today details what we celebrate each time we celebrate the Eucharist. He tells us, On the same night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and thanked God for it and broke it. And then he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this as a memorial of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this as a memorial of me. Until the Lord comes, therefore, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming his death. In the Jewish tradition, remembering was an emotional and spiritual experience, more than just an intellectual activity. This kind of remembering for the Jew includes the entire sweep of time, allowing the past to touch the present in such a way that the past gives direction and meaning to the future. Each time we remember Jesus in the breaking of bread, we receive his self-giving and his pledge to reproduce it in our day, doing it in memory of him. To remember Jesus in the breaking of the bread involves a promise St. Augustine described as an act of receiving what we are, so that we can be what we have received, the body of Christ. In the words of Pope Francis, taking part in the Eucharist means entering into the logic of Jesus, the logic of giving freely. Giving freely is made very real to us as we receive the, read the Gospel today from the Gospel of Luke. This miracle, the only story retold six times in the Gospel, makes the same point. Although we call it the multiplication of loaves and fishes, no version of the story says that the quantity of bread increased. 
each rendition tells us that the disciples claimed they did not have enough to respond to the people's needs, that Jesus asked them only to give everything they had, and when they did, there was more than enough. These stories foreshadow the Last Supper as they repeat the formula that Jesus took, blessed and broke the bread to satisfy the needs of the people. He, dis he taught the disciples how to give all they were, just as he did through his life and death, that was, and only that could be, enough. It's, little, it's a little surprise that we, like the Corinthians, have disagreements about the Eucharist. As the most important sacrament we celebrate, our understanding of it tells us who we are. Paul told the Corinthians that remembrance in the full Jewish sense was the key. So the lesson is just as valid for us today. Jesus used bread and wine to symbolise how he consecrated his entire life for us. He invites us into communion with him in that consecration. He is actually calling us to become what we have eaten. For nothing else matters.